so glad that you're here this morning with us to celebrate the greatest thing, the greatest event in history, right? If you've been a part of Ivan Rush Church for the past seven weeks, we've been following in Jesus' footsteps as we have, as we've read through the gospel stories. We followed him this past week. If you did this past week's readings, we followed him all the way from, from that upper room where they celebrated the Passover together. All the way to the garden where he was betrayed. All the way to the courtyard of the high priest and then to, to Pilate where he was sentenced to death. All the, way, all the way to Golgotha where he was crucified. And then all the way to that tomb where his body was sealed in the ground. And yet that's not the end of the story, is it? Because if you're following in Jesus' footsteps, those footsteps then walk out of that tomb. He walked out of the grave alive again. Right, listen, just listen to that story again. Don't take out your Bibles. If you have them open, that's fine. But, but just listen from John chapter 20. It's early on the first day of the week. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial, burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, went inside. He saw, and he believed. And from there, you go on reading, and you find out that this risen Jesus appears to Mary, shows himself to her. This risen Jesus appears to, to two disciples as they're walking on their way to Emmaus, alive. This risen Jesus appears to the disciples in the locked room. This risen Jesus appears to Thomas. And to more and more people, the risen Jesus shows himself to be alive. Jesus' footsteps do not end in a grave. They walk out again. This is the greatest event in history. Jesus rose from the dead. It shifted the whole access of time and eternity. But think about this with me for a moment. Jesus was not the only person to ever rise from the dead, was he? In fact, he wasn't even the very first person to rise from the dead. Here's your quiz for the morning. I gave this quiz to my, to my pastor's group, Granville Area Pastors. We had lunch on Wednesday. None of them got it right. So I'm thinking bigger things from you. Okay? How many people in the Old Testament and New Testament, how many individuals do you think were raised from the dead? Anybody got a number to throw out there? What number do you think? Now, now I set you up. You don't even dare guess because the pastors. I got a five back there. Three? How many? 97? That's a big number. That one's a little high. Okay. Six? I haven't heard the right one yet. Two? Ten? Three? No? Zero? Pass back. They're cheating because she has a script of my manuscript. And she knows the answer. All right, here. Count with me. I'll tell you the stories. Okay, the first one. Go way back into the Old Testament. You had the prophet Elijah. Remember, he stays at the widow of Zarephath and, and her son dies. And he goes up to 
to the son's room and lays himself on the son's body, the boy comes to life. There's number one. Number two in the Old Testament, the next prophet is Elisha. He does the same thing for a widow whose son dies. He goes up to the boy's room and he raises the boy to life. Number two. Number three, this is the one that nobody ever gets. One of the strangest stories in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, in the book of Second Kings chapter 13, okay, there's a bunch of people who are at a funeral. They're about to bury somebody they love. And they see a, a raiding party from a neighboring country coming their way. And so in a hurry, they, they throw the body into the nearest tomb they can find. It happens to be the tomb of Elisha. The body touches Elisha's bones and the guy springs up to life. Nobody remembers that story. Okay, so you have three in the Old Testament. Okay, keep counting with me. Then comes the New Testament. Jesus raises three people from the dead. Jesus, first of all, he, 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 sees, he sees the widow of Nain. He happens to be in town when, when the funeral procession for this woman's son is passing through town. He's so moved by her sorrow, he stops the funeral procession and he raises the boy to life. Jairus' daughter, he raises from the dead. I'm sure some of you thought of that. And most of you probably remember Lazarus. He raises his best friend Lazarus as he's been dead for four days. What are we up to? Six. There's more. It doesn't end with Jesus. You ever read the book of, I don't know what, but the book of Acts. Peter. Peter, there's a woman in the church named Tabitha, otherwise known as Dorcas. Wonderful lady. Giving, she dies and Peter is so moved, he raises her to life again. Up to seven. Paul wants in on the action. Paul's up preaching. <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories. You remember a man named Eutychus? young man named Eutychus. Paul is preaching. He's going on and on all night long. And Eutychus is sitting in the windowsill. Eutychus falls asleep during the sermon, falls out of the window, three stories down to the ground, dies. Paul runs down the stairs, raises him to life, brings everybody back upstairs and keeps on preaching. <laughs> kind of a hint of, some of us passages can't get the hint that our sermons are a little bit too long, right? What do we got? Eight. I had a prize in my pocket here for somebody who guessed it right, but nobody guessed it. Eight people. Eight people rise from the dead. That doesn't even include, is one of the lines that we sang that maybe it didn't struck you. It doesn't even include, Matthew tells us that on the moment that Jesus died on the cross, tombs opened up and a number of holy believers walked into Jerusalem. That doesn't even count those people. So, so this morning, with that in mind, what are we here to celebrate? What is this greatest thing? It cannot be just that Jesus rose from the dead, can it? Because there's others who did that too, at least eight of them that we know about. If we were simply celebrating the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, then we should celebrate eight times for these other people too. And my guess is, my guess is nobody celebrates Eutychus's rising from the dead with a holiday. No one even remembers his name, right? So what makes Jesus different? What makes his resurrection different from all the rest? Why do we celebrate Easter? Well, besides the fact that Jesus was the Son of God, who lived the perfect life, who was sinless, besides the fact that he's the one who rose from the dead, what's different about Jesus is that his footsteps Never go back to the grave again. He never dies again. All the rest of these eight other individuals, they walk right back into the grave again later. 
I mean, what a great honor it must have been for them to, to have risen from the dead. You know, we know that from the stories that Lazarus kind of turned into a celebrity, right? I mean, not every day you see somebody in your neighborhood get raised from the dead. But I feel badly for these eight people because they had to die again. I, I think it's going to be hard enough for me to die once. I don't really want to do it twice. Their family had to go through the sorrows twice. But not for Jesus. Jesus is the only one who rose and never died again. And we often forget that that Jesus is reigning today as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, sitting at the right hand of God the Father with a physical body that has not died. He never went back to the tomb again. He never got put back in the grave. And that is what we celebrate here this morning. Jesus' resurrection conquered death completely, once and for all. This was not, as with the other stories, a temporary victory. right? A momentary victory in battle in the middle of this war. No. This was a final victory, an eternal victory, a decisive table-turning triumph that, that sets you and I free forever and ever. So, so those of you who join me in reading through, through these gospel stories this Lent season, you were reminded that, that when he walked on this earth, Jesus did some pretty amazing things. Right, you read the stories. He, he walked on water. He multiplied bread and fish and fed thousands of people. He turned water into wine. He, he gave sight to the blind. He helped those who's, who were lame, who couldn't walk, to walk again. He forgave sins. He loved sinners. And he capped it all off now with the greatest thing. He rose from the dead, never to die again. And knowing all that, knowing all that makes it so hard to understand and believe Jesus' words from John 14. It makes his words all the more amazing. I'm just going to read one verse for you. John 14, verse 12. Jesus here is speaking specifically to his disciples, but, but he has you and me, all the believers, in mind when he says these words. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. In fact, he will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. Let that that sink in. Anyone who has faith in me will do all that I've been doing. Think about what Jesus was doing. Think about what he did. And will do even greater things. Now, those words should make you pause and think about your life for a moment, shouldn't they? Perhaps we aim a little bit too low when we set our goals for our lives, for the year, for the day. Losing 10 pounds, running that 5K, getting better grades hardly seem like greater things, do they? Hardly seems possible. In my mind, it hardly seems possible that we would do greater things considering who Jesus was, who Jesus is. Right? He's God himself in human form. Kind of hard to top that, isn't it? 
And when I look at the list of things that Jesus did, walking on water, healing the sick, multiplying food, raising friends from the dead, I'm ready to throw in the towel immediately. Greater things than these? Can I really expect to do greater things than these? Apparently so. Since that's what Jesus said to us. Since that's what's written in his book. Perhaps it's time for some of us to rethink our goals and our purposes in life. So on this Easter morning, I want us together to celebrate the greatest thing of Jesus rising from the dead, never to die again. And I also want us to celebrate and align our lives with the greater things that God invites and expects from us. Greater things. And Jesus tells us in this this one verse how we can expect to do these greater things. He says it's because I'm going to the Father that you will be able to do these greater things. Jesus' risen body, he rises, he ascends into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father now in this physical body. And when Jesus' physical body leaves this earth, that's when the Holy Spirit of God comes. The Spirit doesn't come to us until the Son goes to the Father. And Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, that's when greater things happen. That's when my people will experience and do even greater things. Now, if you're like me, in in my mind, I immediately think these greater things have to be miracles that top the miracles that Jesus did, right? So so I'm thinking I should be able to do some spectacular miracle. If If Jesus walked on water, then I should be able maybe to walk in air. Right? If, if Jesus multiplies bread and fish, then how about if I multiply bagels and steak? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't be great? You throw one steak on the grill and you come out with ten? That'd be awesome. If Jesus filled his net with fish, miraculous catch of fish, then I should never come back from a fall hunting trip without at least one trophy buck, right? I should be able to catch something. Yet I, I can't pull off those miracles. I never have steak miraculously appear on my grill. I can't do even greater things than that. Maybe that's because, maybe that's because we, first of all, fail to see the reality of miracles all around us, of the greater things that are already happening. You and I experience greater things all the time, every day. We just too often forget and we fail to see the power of God working around us. We need to see the Holy Spirit moving. It's a Holy Spirit miracle when new life is conceived and develops in the womb and is born. Every birth is a miracle of the Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit miracle when the power of modern medicine brings healing, maybe from a pill or a shot or a surgery or It's a miracle from the Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit miracle when when two people find each other from all the people in the world and get married. It's a Holy Spirit miracle when damaged relationships are healed. It's a Holy Spirit miracle when forgiveness is asked for and granted. It's a Holy Spirit miracle when compassion is given. It's a Holy Spirit miracle when grace is extended instead of judgment 
It's a Holy Spirit miracle when you and I find the strength, the strength of God, the peace that passes understanding, that carries us through the painful challenges of this world. It's a Holy Spirit miracle when unexpected blessings are poured into your life and and you learn to give them back away. You and I are involved in Holy Spirit miracles. We're involved in these greater things that are happening every day. We just too often take them for granted. We fail to see the miracles that they are. And secondly, and and I think this is maybe more importantly, we we need to see how God defines these greater things. We need to see what is greater from his perspective, not ours. Maybe multiplying steak on the grill isn't greater in God's perspective. Look look at the disciples. Jesus rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. They they continued Jesus' ministry, right? They followed through to do these greater things. And you read through the book of Acts and you see that they did do some great miracles, right? They, they, They do heal some people, some people who are blind, some people who are lame. We already noted that that Peter and Paul both raised somebody from the dead. But we certainly can't say that they did greater things than what Jesus did, right? When it comes to supernatural miracles. And that's because those kind of amazing healings, which by the way are all temporary, right? Those aren't the kind of greater things that God's looking for from us, from them. So what are the greater things that we can point back to in the disciples' lives that Jesus was pointing forward to? Well, they are the things that last forever. They are God's eternal kingdom things that are the greater things. Right? So so the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, right? The things that the Apostles did has a few of those miraculous events. But what is the greater thing? The greater thing is the greater number of converts and believers in the gospel than ever, right? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit working through the disciples that the number of those people who are saved, the number of those who believe and are saved, skyrockets. In fact, just on one Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, right, the day that the Holy Spirit arrives and, and Peter preaches that first sermon, more people believe and are saved on that one day. More people become followers of Jesus Christ than throughout all of the time that Jesus was alive, throughout all of Jesus' ministry. These are the greater things. These are the kingdom things. Right? And, and, and the scope, the scope of those believers busts far beyond the scope of Jesus' ministry and impact. Right? Jesus reached when he ministered here on earth. He reached within the nation of Israel through the spirit of God working in the disciples. The truth of Jesus shatters those national boundaries, spreads throughout all the world. Far beyond the scope of what Jesus' ministry took him. That is the greater thing in God's eyes. That is the kingdom thing. And those greater things. Lives being changed. People saved for eternity. Those greater things are still happening today. The work of the Holy Spirit that started with the disciples there on that first Pentecost Sunday. Continues through history. Continues through you. Continues through me. So the truth of Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, alive forever, 
is proclaimed through all of this earth. This kingdom is evident everywhere. From the comfortable Christians here in North America to the Coptic Christians in Egypt who are willing to kneel down and be beheaded rather than deny, to deny Christ. To the Chinese Christians meeting secretly in their homes despite the danger of the government. To the African Christians filled with passion and, and joy often in spite of poverty that they experience. To minority Christians living throughout the world who hold strong to their faith despite the persecution, despite the fact that it would be easier to let go, including those in Kenya who this past Thursday held strong to their faith, and many of them it cost their lives. The scope and the extent of the Holy Spirit work is stunning, and it continues to grow, sometimes through us, sometimes in spite of us, honestly. These are greater things. These are the greater things that God wants to do in us. The kingdom things. You will do even greater things than these. But there is one. One miraculous thing that all of us here share with Jesus. One amazing greater thing that we can't miss this morning. Here it is. Listen to this. All of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and have made him Lord of our lives, we will rise from the dead. And like Jesus, we will never die again. Did you get that? We will rise from the dead and like Jesus, we will never die again. We will never walk back into that tomb again. That's awesome. You and I get to share the greatest thing that we're celebrating here this morning. Someday soon when Jesus comes back in all of his glory to put the finishing touches on his ultimate victory and to make all things new again and to usher in the new heaven and the new earth with perfection for eternity on that day. We will answer God's trumpet call and we will rise to life again and we will be perfected and made whole in his presence forever. Let that truth sink in for a moment. You and I will follow Jesus' footsteps right out of the grave, never to die again. Praise God. That is something to be in awe of. That is a greater thing. So as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection here this morning on Easter, as we should, we can also stand firm on the promises of Jesus Christ and celebrate our own pending resurrection as well. We can celebrate the greater thing that God has given us. And that should shape our lives. To shape every moment as we live. As C.S. Lewis put this eternal, physical resurrection reality in perspective for our daily lives. He wrote this paragraph. He says... It's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the, the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Or else, 
a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. None of us is a mere mortal, an ordinary person, because we are all resurrection people. And some of us, as resurrection people, will live forever, recreated perfectly in the glory of God the Father. And it's going to be awesome. And others of us will live forever, disfigured and contorted by the pain and the horror of Satan and the evil that he designs apart from God. I think you know what God desires. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. God desires greater things. From and for each of us. Today, those of us who have, who have put our faith in Jesus Christ are called to do greater things for the kingdom of God. Kingdom things. Eternal things. And someday, those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ will follow in his footsteps and we will experience the greatest thing. And on that day, we will walk out of the tombs alive to live with him forever. And we'll cry out with the Apostle Paul, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Thanks be to God for this greater thing. Thanks be to God that he has given us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. That we get to experience the greatest thing of all and follow Jesus' footsteps, his resurrection footsteps. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we stand in awe. We are in awe of your goodness, of your greatness, of your great gift to us. You call us to to do and experience greater things. Forgive us for the times that we have been satisfied in our lives with things that are less than great. We've been satisfied with mundane. We've been satisfied with earthly things when you've called us to eternal things. Jesus, you open up the door for us to do greater things. Give us the courage to shape our lives according to what you want, to work for your kingdom purposes, for your eternal purposes. And Father, thank you for the promise that you give us. We can't wait for the day when we will experience the greatest thing along with your son, Jesus Christ. And we will walk out of, out of death to live eternally with you, perfected in your presence. Thank you for the hope Thank you for the assurance. Thank you for the guarantee of great joy that is ours now and for eternity. Thank you, Jesus. 
our risen Messiah. Amen. Would you stand and let's sing together to Jesus.